Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Asband, our daf of the day, Masacha Beitza, daf Kaftet, page 29. So we have two Mishnayot of the, on the daf, and we're going to divide them up. I will take the first Mishnah, Yardena, you will take the second Mishnah, and with this we will close this parak. Um, okay. Omer Adam Lechavero. A person could say to his friend, or to another person, really, Maleli Klize, he could say, fill this vessel for me, fill up this, this container for me, but not he can't ask for a particular measurement for that to be filled. And if it's a measuring utensil, right, if it's a measuring cup or something that's a very specific measure, according to Rabbi Yehuda, he, can, he, shouldn't, um, he shouldn't fill it up at all. So there's a story here of Abba Shaul ben Botnit, and we're going to talk about him more in the Gemara as well. He was a grocer, and he would fill his measures, he would fill everything up on Erev Chag, so that he could pass them out, he could give them out to his customers on the Chag, and then he would know exactly how much each one was, but he had already done the measuring Long before the holiday kicks in, so Abashaul. Now this is tricky because it's unusual that we would have a Mishnah that would have Abashaul ben Botnit and also Abashaul in the same in the same Mishnah. But these are two different people. Abashaul said he would do it even on the on um The the Mishnah says Moed, but that means Bechol Hamoed in the intermediate days of the festival. Because then he can clarify, right? He can be very clear in exactly how much um, is divided up into each each portion. Um, and then, And Chazal said that even on the week, weekdays, he would do this, or it is proper to do this exact, um, very exacting measuring, because then you t- you're taking care of... Um, reaching the exact measurements, uh, you know, if you're dealing with liquid, it'll drain exactly, right? You, the idea is setting everything up in, in, in advance. Now, ironically, I was thinking about this, you know, this is really, for the most part, this is what we have now. When you go to the supermarket nowadays, you buy the portion that is in the prepackaged size of things, right? Maybe not in a shook, maybe not in an open-air market or in a co-op or something like that. But for the most part, um, nowadays, we really do have the more exact, precise measurement. And people get very upset when something is, you know, pre-measured and then you discover it to be, um, you know, certainly if you're, if you feel that you are getting less than you've, than the official measurement, people will complain quite loudly. Um, so, Abishol ben Botnit and Abu Shaul. So I want to talk here about Abishol ben Botnit. Um, he was an early Tana. Uh, the, the notes I have say that he was, probably a contemporary of Hila Hazakain, uh, which puts him quite early. And he is known, he is seen in other settings as well, to have this same kind of integrity, uh, which, you know, here in his in his role as a grocer, you know, why would the people trust him that he's got the measurements done in advance? It's because he's not setting out to shortchange anybody. He's trying to make everything simpler and easier for those who are coming to get his products on Yantif. This, by the way, Yardena, is something I truly do not understand. The fact that people did shita on Yantif I get, right, in terms of fresh meat or whatever. But 
but I don't really understand why they're coming to the grocery store to get what? So you know, I have a theory on this, which is like they didn't have refrigeration. So you really bought your food very fresh. You know what I mean? Like whatever it was that took to prepare. And if you were cooking already, I think it wasn't uncommon that you probably went to the store and bought what you needed that day to cook. And so what I'm getting out of these few Mishnayos is, you know, particularly the next one also, like all of these Mishnas that really talk about like the weighing and how did you measure? How did you pick things up from the store? I think there was a level of activity that today would feel very not, we would call it not Yuntif Dick. <laughs> but I right. think, you okay. know, food preparation in those days took so much time. Like, you know, yes, we cook and everybody complains when it's a two-day holiday or a three-day holiday. But at the end of the day, most of our food is prepackaged. You can buy takeout. This is what you spent most of your time doing. So it doesn't seem crazy to me that, like, you maybe went to the store and picked something up or you forgot something last minute or you wanted to get something that was fresh. So now I want to know how he kept it fresh. But okay, fine. I, I mean, certainly later, I certainly, we know that, you know, early America, they had big blocks of ice that a store might have, you know, a massive thing of ice that wasn't going to melt and nobody would have them in their homes. So maybe there was something comparable. Um, okay. And then lastly, I just want to point out that because he's known as Abba Sho'o, he's na- this title of Abba, he's it doesn't mean, I guess it does mean father, but it, it's really an honorific, right? They're not using the term, the terminology of rabbi yet. Not Rav, not Rebbe, not anything yet. Hillel, Shammai, they have first names. They don't have rabbi, rabbinic titles. So when they refer to him, when the sages themselves call him Abba, as in Abba Shaul ben Botnit, then what they're doing is granting uh, respect. Um, and later, that same tr- title kind of morphs into rabbi, I suppose. Although it's not like they go back and, and revise it for somebody who was previously called Abba. Okay. Um, there's two bits of this Gemara that I want to talk about. One is, again, we're going to come back to the story with Abishol ben Botni, but the first bit is just the initial part of the Gemara when it says, my avalobamida. Right? The, the Gemara addresses the opening line of the Mishnah that says that you can ask you know, somebody to go fill up your, your utensil, your receptacle, but not bimida. The Gemara wants to know what does that mean. So the phrasing here is interesting because Rabbi Huda said that Shmuel said that we're talking about not a, a specific kli that is designed for measuring. Uh, of course, why that's unusual as a comment at this point is because the mission itself addresses that. So the Gemara here says, but anything that's Listen, you can measure in anything, right? It doesn't have to have lines marked on the side of it, right? If it's something that is something that you could use to measure, but is not specifically designed to measure, uh, that you could fill up. And then when Rabbi Huda comes along and he's disagreeing in the Mishnah, what he's, when he says you cannot fill a vessel, he doesn't, he does the Gemara has to reinterpret, I think, what he says so that it's not a matter of um, a Kli that is designed to measure, but he's saying that even something that could be used for measuring, even though it's not especially designed for measuring, should not be used at all. Um, which means that he's being Mahmir, meaning Rabbi Hudir is being Mahmir, um, because he's present, prohibiting any measuring utensil where the Chachamim were more lenient. Um, 
Okay, the Gemara does continue in this discussion, but I want to jump to the discussion about the incident about Abishal ben Botnit. And here the Gemara quotes the Mishnah. Maseba Abishal ben Botnit, Batnit, I guess. Tana, af b'mo'ed osekein, mipnei bitul beit hamidrash. So this, I th- think, is a very interesting um, context to the, sta- to the statement about the, the time of Moed. Uh, Moed meaning, again, meaning Cholomoed. So the idea is that on, during Cholomoed, he would also kind of prepare the measures in advance to make sure that he wouldn't miss out on any time in the Beit Midrash. Right? He wants to go learn. So for all that he's a grocer, and he's got this profession. He's also still very dedicated to Talmud Torah, and he doesn't want to have to interrupt what he's doing to go spend more time. Meaning, like each time he goes to deal with a customer, he would have to measure things out. If he's got it measured in advance, then he can sit and be much more focused in his actual in his actual learning at that time. So then the Gemara brings a breita Tanar Abanan who kanas shlosh meot garbe yain mi hamidot. So Abishal ben Botnit, he collected 300 jugs of wine and he and he thought he wasn't, he didn't have the rights to them because of this clarity of the measures. And then his chevra, his, his, you know, other people who are grocers, they collected 300 jugs of, of oil and they thought that they were not theirs because also they have to be very careful in draining the measurements. Um, they want to make sure that everybody's got the exact amount. And if people come, if a customer comes with their own plea and then you fill it up, now you've got a, it's much more complicated to be sure that everything is exact. So they bring the jugs of the wine and the oil to Jerusalem. And there they go to the temple, uh, the treasurers. They want to make sure that they are not at risk of benefiting from what accounts, well, I'm sorry, from what amounts to stolen goods, meaning they're not thieves. They're being very, um, very precise, very considerate and concerned about making sure that they haven't gotten any extra to which they're not entitled. So the treasurers say to them, Amrulhem, you don't have to do this, meaning everybody, everybody who's a grocer understands that there's a little bit of, you know, I don't know, the you, you have a little bit of leeway that is still within the realm of true honesty, right? And they say, yeah, but we don't we don't care. We want to be more precise. We want to make sure that we're not getting any extra from like the dregs that are left in the cup or the foam that's left in the cup or whatever it is. So the treasurers say back to them, so they say to him, so you're so careful, you're so stringent, you're talking about wine and oil, so then use those, use that extra for communal needs, meaning put it towards the the benefit of the public. Because we have a general principle that will that accounts for this, that if somebody stole and he doesn't know who he stole from, so he can't give it back to him, then you should use that same stolen property for the communal needs, meaning it's as if you're repaying the entire Jewish people. So if Chista says they should finance the digging of borot, of cisterns, of ditches, of caves, restoring waters for travelers, meaning that will benefit everybody. 
and Revista goes on, you know, in the next section. But I found it. I found the ethics here to be really both admirable and really interesting, both how it's recorded and how the temple treasurers, who presumably were no slouches, um, you know, took it upon themselves to kind of try to appease these folks and tell them they're doing more than they need to. And they didn't want to hear it. Right. They say, like, no, we're going to stick to our guns and we are going to make sure that we do not have any personal benefit from any extra that we might have inadvertently received. Yeah, I think this is an example of, you know, maybe you're being too careful. And it's interesting to see that it's the temple that sort of tells them this is really much more than you needed to do. In other words, that there's an assumption, you know, that the purchaser knows that some of these things with the foam and the dregs and those types of things are just part of the purchase. Um, And I'm not sure the Gemara comes out. I think it's saying it's admirable, but I don't think it's creating a standard that everybody needed to do this. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, right. (laughs) Like, it's very clear that, well, I don't know. It's clear to me that this is not being upheld as the way to go. I mean, I have to accept it, but I don't think that I don't think that it's presented here as and they were really so wonderful in refusing the leniency that the temple um, treasurers were giving them. Agree. So I'm going to finish up uh, this uh, uh, parak with the last Mishnah. So a person is allowed to go to basically the storekeeper who he usually buys from, right? Notice the, the point that it's Haragil, and say to him, give me this number of eggs or this number of nuts. Because it's normal that this is sort of the way that the Baal Habayit, the person making the, getting those eggs or nuts, counts them. So in other words, assigning a number to eggs or to nuts is not a measurement, right? But it's the way we talk about it. We say, I need five eggs, right? Which I think is still true today, right? I need, I don't know as much about nuts, you know, I need 10 nuts, um, but it's not considered to be a measurement. And so then the Gemara goes on, it's a very short Gemara here, Tana Rabbanan, Halechadam Eitzel Ro'eh Haragil, right? Somebody, a, a person goes on a, fe, you know, on a chag to a shepherd who he normally buys from. Give me one kid or one lamb. So again, it's specifying an amount, but not a measurement. He can go to, um, you know, the, the butcher and he can even say, give me a foreleg, one foreleg or one thigh. He can go to one who get this is like a bird dealer, I guess, right? It's, um, and he'd say, or give me one dove or one pigeon. Um, then he can go to a baker and say, or give me one loaf or one cake. And then he can go to his storekeeper. So here, this Tosepta is a little bit more specific than our mission. It says, give me 20 eggs or five, or 50 nuts. Right? Or you can give me 10 peaches. Five pomegranates. As long as they don't measure a measurement. So I think there's an important distinguish, distinction being made here between measurement versus amount. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer, Ubevachelo Yaskirlo Sukum Mecca. So Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, as long as he doesn't mention the amount of the purchase. 
In other words, they can't mention the actual sum of money. So he can't say to him, the storekeeper, or I guess the purchaser can say, how much is one egg? Or the storekeeper can say, each egg will cost a dollar. After Chag, the assumption is people would come in and then they would make good with whatever their transaction is. So again, I think this you know, whole section shows what we were talking about beforehand. There was a lot of you know, business, non-business that took place on Chag, which again is very different. Like I think many of us would be very uncomfortable. The only thing that I can think of that was like, that was like this is I once was in um, Miami for a wedding in August and you know, it was brutally hot. And, you know, one of my friends made up, we had to walk from like where we were staying to where the meals were for this uh, of. And so one of my friends made up, he thought he was very clever. There was a guy who was selling drinks and he said on Friday, he said, okay, I'm going to buy some from you. You know, I'll give you money on Friday and then I can use it on Shabbat. And the non-Jewish, you know, uh, cart guy was like, oh yeah, people do this all the time for Shabbat. It was not a big deal. So this non-Jewish cart keeper was apparently used to this, the Jews, I think, in Miami would do this. So this is sort of doing it ahead of time that you pay. But I think this was something that was obviously very common. People would go into stores, get what they needed, and then they would make arrangements to pay later. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I wish I could go back in time and ask my, I have ancestors who I never met because they died before I was born. Maybe it's a previous generation. My great grandparents or that generation were, I don't know, they lived in the Boston area at the turn of the century. And some somebody there had a dairy and they had like these vats of milk and cream and whatever. And people would come with their, I don't know, with their mechal, with their little vessel. Right. And then we have my parents have the pitchers that the family member, you know, my ancestor would dip into the big vats to be able to pour into the cup. I really would like to know, did all of this take place on Yantif or not? You know, but I, I don't have any way to find out because there's nobody to ask. Yeah, I don't think there's a way to figure it out, but it, it's clear something went on here. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebony Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.